holidays, I decided I'm bored, so I went on Twitter and I spotted this picture of Billy Callagher, MEP, and Timmy Dooley, Fianna Fáil, and a spokesperson on Climate Action Communication Networks and Transport, Senator in County Clare, I'm sure you're all familiar with Timmy, and I saw this photograph with Zelensky and I thought... That's funny. <laughs> Poor old Zelensky didn't know what was going on in the photograph as far as I can see. It was a bit of a selfie. Um, but there is reasoning as to why Timmy was there. And I wanted to find out. Because some people would argue that, you know, look, that's just a waste of taxpayers' money. They didn't really need to go over there. They didn't really need an audience of Zelensky. And why is everybody going over to Zelensky all of a sudden? If it's such a dangerous place to be, people are asking, well, why are they all going? Well, to find out exactly why, Timmy Dooley responded to my tweet, by the way, amongst all the abuse he got. He responded to my tweet and said, I'll come on the show and I'll tell you. So he joins me on the line. Timmy Dooley, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Good. Now, Timmy, I know you're very active with the Alliance uh, of Liberals and Democrats for Europe uh, and Aldi, and I think that's the reason why mm. you were there. Maybe you could explain to me why you're there, because some people would look at it as, as I jokingly put up, you know, official visits slash Jolly Boys Day out for yourself mm. and Billy. So what mm. was the actual reason you were there? Yeah, so we've been there a couple of times uh, over the past year and a half at the invitation of the main political party, which is President Zelensky's party. And they're affiliated to us through um, a European political party, which I'm the co-president of. So on a number of occasions, they've invited us. On this occasion, they invited us to celebrate their Independence Day. Now, I know there's a bunch of listeners out there saying... Could you not just do that here? There's 80,000 of them here, yeah. a bit of that and and then there's independence day so they're not really independent now they are and they have an aggressor uh, on their on their doorstep who is obviously trying to to take them back no so 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 their reasoning behind asking us was to show solidarity to their own people to say that there are other countries particularly from the european family that support them in what they're doing um and that are anxious to assist them in becoming members of the european union um, there are others who want them part of NATO. That's not something I'm interested in, quite frankly, because... And, um, and there are others, Timmy, who believe we should be minding our own business because no, we're a neutral country. No, I get that. And there are other people who say we should be letting Putin uh, take over the Ukraine. Well, no, I, I, uh, I don't believe anybody. I don't, well, I don't think logically minded people think like that. No, I, I, but, but, I, I do, but I do believe, when we go back to Sabina Higgins's letter last year, which she got castigated for, that I think the one thing that everybody wants is peace. And I think, by the way, I think she was completely taken out of context in that letter. I thought it was very unfair the way she was spoken about at the time when she, made, when she wrote that letter. I think, in her mind's eye, what she meant was, you know, there has to be a peaceful resolution. We all know war doesn't end. War never ends. War, somebody mm. has to surrender. When I say surrender, somebody has to get, negotiate or get involved in peace talks. That's the only way war ever ends. Yeah, there's no doubt. And look, at when, when the Deputy Prime Minister was in Ireland in July of 2022, I brought her to meet President Higgins and he gave her an audience and listened intently and showed a great interest in Ukraine, uh, the war. And at that stage, he was very clear and very desirous to find, you know, what's the long term solution here? How do we end? And I think that's what we all want to do. And for me, one of the big things would be to see Ukraine part of the European Union. Um, I mean, no doubt that the European Union, with all its faults and flaws and failings, has been really good at preventing countries fighting through battle with each other. It it is one of the biggest peace processes. And we know a lot about that. that, But that invitation to the European Union wouldn't have been there four years ago or five years ago. I remember remember other world leaders were giving out about Zelensky at the time because of some of his policies were claimed to be homophobic or whatever they happened to be at the time because he would be slightly to the right. So that invitation wouldn't have been there at that time. So why is it all of a sudden there now? 
Well, it, there's a new reality. Um, Russia has invaded. And I think uh, if you're in Estonia or you're in Finland or you're in Romania or Bulgaria, you're saying, well, if he gets his way in, in Ukraine, who's next? Um, and I think in fairness, and it, this is the point about showing solidarity with Ukraine, they're fighting the European, a European war on behalf of the rest of us at the moment because notwithstanding what Putin has achieved in bringing his own country back from the brink, which he did and did very successfully, some would argue did through sort of um, dictatorship. Uh, well, yes. But, but he, I mean, after Yeltsin, um, he built a resilience uh, and I think a confidence in, 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 in the people of Russia. And it seems to be like any great leader uh, along the way, they reached a point where they forgot where they had come from and went a step too far. And that's clearly um, the view of many people now that whilst Putin... Well, I, I don't think I don't think the majority of people, Timmy, think that the, the, the Russians, you know, want to take over Europe or want the rest of Europe. Obviously, what they want is, I mean, to put it mildly, is to get the band back together, apart, parts of the Soviet Union, or the former Soviet Union, which is what they seem to be trying to do when yeah, it comes I mean, to Ukraine currently at the moment. I mean, I mean, the, 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 there is a fear. The idea of Great Britain wanting to put back the old Great Britain. We rail against that with every fibre of our body. Um, and the thought of, if, you know, if somebody in Buckingham Palace decided if, the, the, you know, that oh, let's put the United Kingdom uh, and, 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 and Ireland back together again, we'd, we'd rail against it. And that's why I have to respect... But yeah, but but the, but what we did, but to stop that, look, we have we have resigned ourselves to the fact that Ireland and the United Kingdom will we'll share six six counties with Ireland and the United Kingdom. We resigned ourselves to that for the Good Friday Agreement because we knew that was the best deal we were going to get at that particular time. Now, maybe in ten years' time, you know, there'll be a border poll. We don't know. The, we'll, the, the future will tell. Of course, Sinn Fein will tell us it'll be sooner than that. But realistically, we resigned ourselves to that. I'm not suggesting Ukraine should, you know, hand or throw in the flag or throw in the towel tomorrow and, and surrender you know, these parts of, of Ukraine that Russia so badly seemed to want. I'm not suggesting that for a minute, but somebody has to sit down at some point and talk. And there is a fear now, of course, with the presidential elections in America, that the funding that they're getting from the United States is becoming more questionable as the days go on. We saw that in the debates uh, the other night uh, in the United States, that the funding that's currently being given to Ukraine, and if that funding is pulled away from Zelensky, and I've got to be honest with you, Timmy, I'm not a fan of Zelensky personally myself. Okay. I, I, I Look, I understand some of the people are, and that that's, you know, they're their thing as well. I'm not a fan of war in general, but I mean, if that funneling is pulled away from them, you know, I mean, that's not going to be good for Ukraine either. No, no, I accept that. And I mean, none of us are a fan of war, but I can understand when, you know, push comes to shove and when a country is existing um, but beside its neighbour, not showing any aggression towards it. And then all of a sudden, as happened back in 2014, there was an invasion, an invasion uh, into the Eastern region and, and Crimea was taken. Mm -hmm. And then you rock on another six years because there was no international outcry at the time. Russia sat on its gains at that point and they had had that sort of uh, benign existence there. They'd taken that region. And then, you know, eight years later, um, they decide to pounce again. And all of a sudden they're moving troops into Belarus or uh, onto, the, onto the northern uh, border with, 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 with Ukraine. But, but, and, I, but I only heard the other night somebody suggesting, oh, Ukraine are winning. 
And, and, and even those lines to me, it irks me because I don't believe anybody should be winning because winning means oh. lives. And, and, you know, there's young Russian men who've lost their lives, who've been sent to war. Uh, there's young Russian yeah. um, or Ukrainian men and some women as well and children who have lost their lives. Thousands on both sides have lost their lives. And nobody wants to see that in any way. So oh, should, should we not all be urging talks rather than, you know, getting behind somebody and saying, well, we want to back the winning team here? There's not about back in the winning team. It's a, it's it's about working towards a resolution for sure. But like, it's very hard to say to Ukrainian families at the minute who have lost their oh, fathers, their brothers, their sisters. Um, I do a deal with Putin. I mean, to me, the first deal that has to be done is for Putin to pull back uh, to, to to the the, the twenty fourteen line and beyond. Needs to get out of the country and then have an, a, a a relationship and an arrangement how they coexist side by side as neighbours. How they manage their ports in the Black Sea. I mean, Putin's supporters would say there was concerns about access to certain uh, Russian territory from the Black Sea, etc. Have those discussions uh, under the auspices of the UN or whatever other international body. But the reality is, whilst they're still occupying uh, territory that has only, you know, been occupied since 2014, it's very hard to expect uh, a, a nation to say, oh yeah, you know, t- you take that now and we'll, 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 we'll hold back and, you know. And uh, yeah, and that was all well and good, say, six months ago when we thought, okay, some resolution will come, you know, we'll get some sort of resolution or, or this will end at some point. At this point, it's now becoming, it's almost like it is a proxy war. And and obviously there's a danger, of but course. I don't, accept, see, I don't accept it's a proxy war because there's this view that somehow this is a war being waged by America principally um, or NATO countries um, and it's a way of getting at uh, Russia. We, we have to go back to the, who, who was the aggressor here? No, who, I, I'm not suggesting, but there's always going to be a single aggressor in, in these situations. And there's no doubt that Russia was the aggressor. There's no, nobody yeah. is doubting that for a minute. But if we look at many of the wars, I mean, who is the aggressor when it came to Ireland and England, which you gave the analogy there a few minutes ago? Of course it was Great Britain. But, but yeah, but, but, but we did have to, I suppose, I'm not using the word surrender, but we had to come to a deal because we couldn't all spend the rest of our lives looking over our shoulder constantly when the next bomb was going to go off. And the same went for Great Britain too. So, yeah, in other words, there has to be a resolution. There's a lot of people in the six counties that would feel that they were, they were jettisoned by the 26. Um, and for, you know, for, 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 for nearly 100 years hence, um, they have felt that they have been, been left to their own devices. And, and, and that managed to simmer away in the background until... Uh, Britain started to treat uh, the Catholics in an appalling way back um, in, 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 in the late 60s and tensions spurred again. And, uh, you know, it was that level of, 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 of effort that has led to the peace process now. Um, but it's still... You know, no, I, and I, I, by the way, I don't want to give people the impression that I'm on anybody's side here or that I believe that, you know, a deal should be stuck with a, with a dictator. But he's clearly mad. He's clearly a dictator. There's no doubt. And Russia, by the way, mm. is clearly a very dangerous country. Military, uh, when we talk about the military, as we all know, I mean, that we could be dragged into World War Three. That is the fear that was mentioned again as well in the United States the other night as well, that they don't want that. And I think the words that were used by one of the presidential candidates was, let Europe deal with their own problems. We shouldn't be looking after this. It's not our war. And, and it's not America's war but they are putting a huge amount of money into it uh, which is uh, to me when you start funding something like this I know it's to save lives I understand it's to give back up to Ukraine uh, but what it's doing is it's making it last longer because it's just giving more and more militarization to yeah, both I, I know what you're saying yeah. and, and that's that, there's there's there's, there's uh, some reality to that but the alter- then you must look to the alternative 
if the US, if NATO, if the other countries that are supporting um, Ukraine's uh, military campaign at the minute pull away, does that mean then that Ukraine gets entirely invaded by, by, by Russia? Um, and then what country is next? Is it Estonia? Uh, is it Poland? Um, is it Georgia? Is it, is it uh, Romania? So, so, so. Like, well, I mean, I only mean to say, by the way, that Poland, Poland, and the Baltic states have now pledged to shut their borders with Belarus uh, because of critical incidents, and that was because of strikes, uh, airstrikes, or was I think it was airstrikes. Yeah, that, that's the reality. But when it, when you can't get inside the mind uh, of Putin, um, you, no one knows what the long term agenda is. Is it to is, is it to move the Eastern Bloc back within? Um, you know, back within the, the control uh, of Russia or, or into some kind of a communist regime again. So, so, so I, the reality, I think, is um, that Europe, NATO, uh, and uh, parts of Europe, those principally uh, linked to NATO, with the US, have decided very clearly uh, that the battle lines between the East and the West are now drawn uh, in the East of Ukraine, and that's a battle worth fighting to protect and preserve the democracy that we have in Europe. Okay, so back to the original question for the very, very start, because I don't want to keep you too long, and I appreciate you coming on the air sure. to talk to me. The other question is, did yourself and Billy need to go there to sort to, to have those conversations? Well, and, and not those conversations, but to celebrate that. Back at home, we probably wouldn't be on the show, but we, we were invited, we went. Um, it wasn't funded by the Irish taxpayer. Um, it was funded by the LD party, which I, I'm co-president of. Um, it took four days, a day out, a day back, and two days there. I had taken, I think, four days of a family holiday. Um, and if somebody wants to say, well, that's another four days uh, that you weren't working for the Irish people, that's eight days holidays over the course of the summer. I think I'm entitled to that. And what, um, and what was it like? I mean, genuinely, because there were people who were responding so, to that tweet that I put up and said, so, somebody put up a picture of a nice holiday place where people were enjoying themselves. I mean, we do know that only certain parts of Ukraine are affected, obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a huge country. I mean, it's a massive country. There's 44 million people. Um, so as you head from east to west, we, we went as far as Kiev, which is whatever it was, 11 hours on a train um, and 11 hours back. In and around Kiev, life is fairly back to normal, I'd say. Um, there is a there is a curfew that, 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 that knocks in at 12 o'clock, so everybody has to be off the street by 12 o'clock. Um, people are getting on with their lives a year and a half after the war started. As you head east towards the front line, where there's a much greater level of bombing and shelling, my understanding is that it's pretty rough. Um, people going through really difficult circumstances. Now, the reason why I suppose Kiev, in terms of people being able to get back a little bit to, to more normal life, they have good air defence systems, so whilst there's been a lot of targeting of Kiev, most mm. of the missiles that are fired at it are, are, are shot down in advance. Some get through, you know, we saw uh, a power station, electricity station that was bombed um, not all that long ago, but there was engineers back working on it, trying to get it up and running. We saw some bridges in that. A previous time that I was there, just north of Kiev, we saw uh, an, an entire region completely decimated that had been bombed to oblivion, uh, effectively. That's around your pain in the ocean, places like that. And what's what's your personal view of Zelensky? I mean, he he's been accused of being self-serving, um, obviously because he seems to like the press, apart from anything else. Some other people think he's doing a wonderful job and he's a hero. I so what's your personal view of him? Yeah, well, from what I've seen of him, um, he's a guy who got elected. And I read a little bit back along the time. I mean, he's a guy that got elected um, to change the way in which uh, Ukraine operates. Ukraine, up to his election, was considered to be a very corrupt country. Um, not surprising in the region that it's in. He has set about a plan uh, to make it more open, more democratic, 
um, and more transparent. And that's a slow process. And he has he has battles along the way to do that. Right when he's kind of making progress, um, then Russia invades. And, and, and that makes it more difficult, for sure. They're now under martial law, so it becomes more difficult. But he's, he, to me anyway, and anything I have seen him say or the conversations we had with him, he's committed uh, to, to freeing Ukraine from the clutches of Russia. He's very clear that the plan forward then is to make Ukraine uh, suitable to join the European Union. And that means opening up the country, making it more transparent, democratic, uh, and following but, the but how does he? But how does he think, I mean, in your honest opinion, how does he believe that war is going to actually end? It's not, it's not going to end with Ukraine winning because, again, I, I say to you, I don't like to see any winners in wars. There's well, no I, winners. I'll be honest with you, Lionel. No, I, didn't, I, I didn't tell him that I didn't think it would, that, 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 that he wouldn't win. These people are absolutely committed. As I suppose you do going into battle with anyone, you've got to believe in yourself. Well, you do in the short term, but when it becomes a long-term problem, it, you know, it then becomes more difficult, doesn't it? Well, it's more difficult, but you've, you've got to find strength. And that's just, I suppose, that's the part of, of, of leaders generally. And some people will think he's a great leader. Some people will think he's terrible. No different to America. There are probably 35% of the American population who believe that Donald Trump is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You and I might have a different view, but, you know, so people believe in him, they follow him. Um, he's motivated, he's charismatic, depending on where you're coming from. Um, and he certainly seems to have the people behind him in, 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 in their battle to fight off the aggressor. What was, what was the story with the photograph, by the way? The, the photograph, Jamie, on a lighter, on a lighter note, was it looked a bit awkward, like he wasn't prepared for it. I don't think he, he looked a bit scared. I don't think a fellow with the size of an army like him was scared of, of, of Dooley and Kelleher. It, it was kind of like, who are these two fellas? <laughs> well, I'm not saying we're on personal names, but we were, we were invited to uh, a summit that was on there as European politicians. There was, I think, another uh, 15 or 20 there as well. And there were ones, domestic ones, whom we'd know uh, yeah. better than him. He was introduced to us um, and a photograph was taken. Um, that, 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 that was it. Uh, it wasn't... Uh, wasn't uh, that he was surprised. Yeah, you, were, you were holding on to him for dear life. There. Come here for a photograph, quick, real Irish. Before, before he off, but, uh, he, yeah. he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. Let, let, let's put it like this. He doesn't share smiles. Um, but but Timmy, before you go, you've been good. You've been good enough to talk to me today, and I would, I'd like to keep you for ages to hold, talk to you all about climate uh, policy, etc., etc. Because I only went to the garage yesterday and paid one seventy four for me diesel, considering that crude Brent crude oil prices are much lower now than they were back in two thousand and eight, and yet we're paying more of the pumps. We could argue about that all day and blame the Green Party oh, and blame climate action and everything else but the one thing I did want to ask you about uh, just before you go was um, there seems to be an awful lot of contention and I know you uh, recently stood up for the Minister of Justice um, but in relation to this hate speech bill which has caused a huge amount of problem mm -hmm. I've cut you off guard slightly on this and I do apologise and you I, I'm assuming you voted for it because you voted with the party I mean what yeah. do you think of people and I, I will be speaking at an event so I, I, you know I'll nail my colours to the mass I'm speaking at an event in two weeks time in relation to this um, um, you know, that people would say, and even Elon Musk has weighed in on it now as well, even though Leo Varadkar has kind of more or less said that Elon Musk is just showboating. Uh, what do you think of the idea that people believe that the hate speech bill goes too far without a definition of the word hate, uh, that it essentially is going to have a chilling effect on freedom of speech and freedom of expression? See, I don't think it will. Um, I think some people are saying in an extreme form that people are going to be taken to court for making a comment about various different things. It's not about that. Um, I, I, I think at the end of the day, it's about respecting other people's diversity. I might have views about somebody 
um, whatever it might be about sexuality, it might be about whatever. But I think we all know deep down how hurtful and how impactful in a negative way Absolutely. throwaway comments can be. Now, look at... You well, know, we, but we can't, can't, but we also... Like, and by the way, I agree with you, and I would encourage people not to be hateful. But in saying that, but it, but in saying that, we can't make an emotion a crime. Now, don't get me wrong. If people are encouraging violence or they're say, suggesting that, listen, we should all go after such members of the community or this marginalised community or this marginalised people, that we should go after them and burn them out of it or kill them or whatever. Absolutely. That's incitement to violence. It's already been there. It's already in the act anyway. But the idea that we, we should criminalise speech... Uh, to a degree where it may be just a thought. And I, and I heard the minister defending it by saying, well, J.K. Rowling wouldn't be guilty, for example. I mean, it shouldn't be up to an individual person like a minister or indeed a judge to decide what they believe is and isn't offensive or hurtful. I think people are identifying sort of the extremes that somehow that a thought could get you into trouble. I think I think that the, 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 the essence of what's being attempted to do here is to try to stop those small groups of people who have a really hard ideology against, you know, certain, whether it be people from a different race or people with a different sexual orientation. Like, I grew up through the 70s. I was born uh, at the end of the 60s. And I went to school at a time when somebody who was emerging um, with, you know, being gay, uh, it was a rough space for kids that mm, were coming through. I would agree. No one didn't understand and my Jesus, I, I know people now who came through, um, had an awful time, were never able to be out. Now I know kids who are the, the same run as my own in their, in, their, in their late teens, early 20s, and they're able to come out and they're able to embrace it. Um, yeah, yeah, but we. And, and by the way, I, I encourage all of that, and I, you know, and you should respect other people's, you know, diversity, respect their sexual orientation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, but if somebody wants to come onto the radio with me, for example, and turn around and say, "I don't believe there's more than two genders. I don't believe a man can become I a woman." I have with somebody saying that. I, 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 I look at it a small bit differently. I take the view a little bit of live and let live. If you want to identify as gender number thirty-seven. Well, who am I to say? Do you like, believe? Okay, do you so believe there's more than two genders? I I I don't understand enough. It, it it's hard for me, quite frankly. But you know what? If someone comes in in all good faith to me and says, "I want you to refer to me as X," well, I'm not going to insult them because it, for, for 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 what reason or why would I do it? I treat people as I find them. Now, when it comes to legal definitions and that, it's a different story, and you've got to follow certain patterns. But in in the main. It doesn't. It doesn't worry me from one end of the week to the other how somebody identifies. But when, so when, but when you when, when you look at the, the the submissions, the public submissions that were put into the minister asked for public submissions, and Leo Varadkar kind of dismissed that you know out of the three thousand two hundred whatever it was public submissions that eighty percent or over seventy six percent of them didn't believe this was necessary, and Leo Varadkar dismissed but that's that. Okay. And, and that's fine, and that says. But I mean, they keep saying the public want this. I don't think the public want this. We've already have legislation there that stops people encouraging violence or hatred. But there's an eighty, there's sort of the eighty twenty or the ninety ten rule. Ninety percent of the people might believe in a certain thing or whatever. Doesn't mean that they get to a point where they say, "But we've got to exclude the ten percent." Um, we don't, we don't want it. We don't need it. But sometimes you've got to stick up for the minority. And if there's ten percent there, even if it's five percent, mm, I, I, I would agree with you to some degree. But you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't just, you know, disregard the rights no, of I, a majority I, for a minority either. I, no, no, I agree. Yeah. But it's where 
if the 5% are attempting to impact on the 95%, but they're not in, in the main, in the main, the people in the minority just want to be respected and left alone. Now, there is a small element within that minority too who thinks that the 90% should change the way they live their lives just to make them feel better. I don't agree with that either. You know, I mean, there's the debate around pronouns. I get if somebody wants to be referred to as they, she, him, that I respect their wish on that. It doesn't mean that I have to, you know, attach my pronoun. But we, but we, we yeah, but we've seen, we have seen it, and I'm sorry to keep going on about it, but we've, but we've seen in recent times people lose their jobs because they wouldn't use a certain pronoun. In other words, people being forced to think in a certain way or use their, now again, I agree with you, by the way, you should respect people. If somebody turned around to me and say, look, I want you to call me Sheila, if, if Harry says I want you to call me Sheila from tomorrow, I'll happily do that. You know, I, it doesn't mean I have to believe that he's Sheila, but, you know, I'll happily do that to respect a person. But you've seen people, you know, school teachers, et cetera, et cetera, particularly in the UK and here in Ireland, you know, losing their jobs because they won't respect a pronoun. So, I mean, where are we I going to go for it? Yeah, and I, I know. I, I think the difference is to respect the other person rather than, I mean, no one's going to force me to change my pronoun just because or that I have to use a pronoun just because others wish to do it. I wish them well and, and, and fully respect their entitlement to that. And I should respect and, and refer to them in the manner that they wish to be referred to. That, that to me is about human dignity. It's about respect. It's about understanding diversity, even if uh, even if I'm I'm not fully au fait with it. But it's about it's it's about human interaction rather than trying to say you know what we should all be you know mm. round pegs put into a square hole. Finally, do you think the law? Do you think do you think the law will get passed and signed in by the president, or do you think the intervention by Elon Musk is going to make a difference? <laughs> I don't think it's going. To, I mean, look, I have huge respect for Elon Musk in terms of his engineering capacity. Not so sure, I mean, where he's at with X or Twitter or whatever. I mean, he seems to see it as a, as a venture and maybe it's from a, a, an engineering or a scientific perspective that he sees it as, as some kind of a, of a project. Um, he certainly likes the uh, interaction that takes place on Twitter. He has removed some of the, the rules that would have been more, uh, I suppose, about taming it down. He mm. wants to wind it up. That's fine. That allows for public discourse. Um, I think we're... I mean, and you know yourself with some of the stuff on Twitter. People are prepared to put their name behind something. There's a lot of the anonymous stuff going on. And I understand why people do that for their own reason. But, you know, if you believe in something and you're prepared to sort of have a viewpoint, which is put your name behind it, um, believe in it and wear it. And even if it's contrary, even if you're part of the 5% or part of the 95%, if it's contrary to where the public opinion is at, have, 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 have the conviction, um, uh, have the strength of your own conviction and put your name behind it. Um, Musk doesn't seem to want to do that. And that's fine. I mean, that's the world we live in. So if I want to be on X and I'm going to get a good thrashing by anonymous bots or anonymous individuals <laughs> with a different view, I'll take it. I'm big enough and bold enough to take it. Bring it on. That's what they call but, politics, you know, isn't it, Timmy? That's what you get when you get involved in politics. I get the same thing involved in the media. Uh, it's even it's even life. I mean, I, people people come to me and say how harmful Twitter and and yes, there's potentially harmful. But should, when we were growing up, People who wanted to remain anonymous and wanted to write something about you or I, they probably scrolled it on the inside of a toilet door. Oh, or they stuck it on a nose and sellotaped it to your back. Do you remember that? 
<laughs> they tap you on the back and pull a note. <laughs> kick him. Kick me here. They write crazy things on toilet doors and stuff. Absolutely. We've just changed the technology. Listen, Timmy, it's been a pleasure talking to you and I really appreciate the fact that you came back to me on Twitter more than most would do and you're willing to come on and talk about it and talk about obviously what's going on in Ukraine and obviously in relation to the hate speech. Listen, thank you very much indeed and I really, really appreciate it. Not at all. Thanks. Bye-bye. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085 100 The Niall Boylan podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.